Welcome everyone to the Purposely Thriving Podcast, where we are growing, evolving, and becoming into our highest self in every area of our lives so that we are able to live authentically and whole as we step into a new chapter. I am your host, Tanya Carter, and thank you for joining and tuning in with me this week. Whether it's juggling all the roles of being a mom and managing the household obligations and being the perfect mate and volunteering in the community and keeping your figure and making sure you're socially active and serving and climbing the ladder in corporate as well as running a successful business to being the one phone call away type of friend attempting to solve everyone's problems to even being the one that everyone in the family relies on. I can keep going on and on, but I think you all get my point. And when this has been the standard, as well as the expectation for women to maintain, it creates a deep, unhealthy core belief that their worth and their value is rooted by how much they stretch themselves the ability to suppress emotions, displays resiliency and independency. Resistance to being vulnerable or dependent exhibits strength. Their dedication to succeed in the struggle illustrates toughness, as well as their constant commitment to help others and never asking for help for themselves is considered to be honorable. This ability to do it all has been highlighted in our families and in culture for generations as a positive character trait and even an asset, when in reality, it could be a deeper meaning as a survival mechanism, as well as a liability for the woman's overall quality of life. And this way of living and being causes women to neglect their self-care. It leaves them having to internalize and bottle up their feelings and emotions. They experience multitude of stress-related symptoms such as irritability, anxiety, to even depression. It makes it difficult to accept support from others. And it also is very strenuous on interpersonal relationships. Now, I'm gonna be honest. While I do believe that there are benefits in handling your affairs and your responsibilities, as well as your obligations. There's a need for that. There's a must of that. However, where do we draw the line with this? When will it ever be considered enough? How can we harmonize our lives where we're able to do the things that need to be done without the belief that we have to do it all? And how can we take off this superwoman cape and remove the pressure as well as the expectations without feeling guilty and being so concerned about being judged. And I wanted to talk about that today. I wanted to have a conversation around this today about this topic, but I didn't want to do it myself. (laughs) I wanted to bring on a guest that I believe is the perfect guest to have this conversation with. And so my guest for today is Sarita Yvonne. Um, Sarita is someone I found out here in these internet streets. I'm not going to lie to y'all. I found out here in these internet streets. Um, Sarita is an intergenerational trauma expert. She's a psychotherapist. She's a trauma-informed trainer for schools and a certified clinical trauma professional and hypnotherapist. She's also a recovered codependent love addict, perfectionist, sexual abuse survivor, and retired superwoman transformed into a powerful, powerful human being who helps women heal from toxic relationships. And so um, without further ado, I want to go ahead and start this conversation because I'm actually very excited about it. Thank you, Sarita. I really do appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thank (laughs) you first for the invitation and thank you for the space that you hold for women and just human beings in general who are trying to figure out this thing called life. So I'm telling you, pleasure. Thank you. I am telling you, listen, it's so interesting because I was reading your bio and the last sentence was 
you are a retired superwoman. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I, and I just want to open up with that. Um, I wanted to open up and talk about that as it pertains to your personal experience. Um, because you also mentioned I was on your website because I was, I was like, I was, I was checking for you. Yeah, I was checking for you. I was, you know, because I want my listeners to get the real and I want yeah. them to really get substance, you know. Yeah. And so one of the things that you said was I wore a cape that I inherited from strong women who were secretly heartbroken. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And when you think about a cape, it is protection. And so for me, and you hear, when I hear that bio, I'm like, wow, you know, I've come through a lot, but really, if I'm honest, it was about my journey of self-discovery. Like I was always looking for me, looking for my soul, because I knew that while I was out here looking ambitious, looking cute, looking like I had it together, it was like, there was pieces of me that I felt was missing inside. I felt like I was truly broken in ways that showed up in my relationships. And the more I tried to pray harder and do better and serve more, it only left me feeling more depleted. Mm. And so after half a lifetime of trying to seek for my worth in my labels and my doing and my job titles, because that's really what my life was. And then after, after work, I would get home, I would be in somebody's book. I would be on somebody's website. <laughs> I would be in some kind of spiritual program trying to figure right. out what the hell was going on. And to go a layer deeper and talking about the superwoman, what it meant is that for me and for a lot of us, if you don't need me, you don't love me. So in mm. my relationships, like I knew how to function and go to school and get degrees and, you know, look at the syllabus and answer questions, but I did not know how to be loved, but I didn't even know that I didn't know how to be loved. I knew how to do, I knew how to, I knew how to gave, I knew how to, you know, decipher other people's feelings and emotions and meet them before they even knew. I knew how to help them with the problems I saw so they could realize their potential, even if they didn't want to. And I felt like it was my job to sacrifice myself. And that is where the Black superwoman or the Black superwoman schema shows up. And that's why a lot of us don't realize it because we can function well out in the world in mm -hmm. the doing, not even realizing the doing, the human doing is a trauma response. And your trauma responses help keep you protected, but it don't help you to experience love. So I need Mic drop. <laughs> this it. Look, already, I'm just like... I'm all into it because I <laughs> seriously, like I, I feel you. Like I, I really do feel you. And um, when did you get that awakening? Because you say you what you inherited from strong women. Oh, so this was yes. something that was extremely generational for you. It is generational for all Black women, mm. <laughs> and it is generational because just think about for how many generations. Did we have to, it was a must to suppress your pain, to suppress your authenticity, to suppress the unfairness and the injustice that we were experiencing every day. And so there is an expectation of who you're supposed to be, how you're supposed to be, how you're supposed to carry yourself, put on your face. My mother was a very brave woman and very strong, but also because of intergenerational trauma, she was very broken. So she knew how to go out in the world and do, she knew how to make it happen. She knew how she made miracles and that is what black women do. But the energy that it takes to create miracles comes from your soul. And that is what we don't realize you must disconnect yourself from in order to be a superwoman. Because if I'm a superwoman, it means that I can't actually honor my own humanity. I can't embrace everything that it means to be human, to cry, to be frail, to be confused, to not know what's going on. And because I was taught to wear a cape, I won't even let myself realize it because we are taught that vulnerability is weakness. Mm. But then they call us masculine. Not mm. recognizing that it's deeply ingrained in how we think and how we behave and who we think we are. 
that we must constantly do in order to be of value. Mm. Wow. Ooh, um, <laughs> I mean, that's you right. You said you wanted the real. <laughs> Listen, I, I did. I wanted the real. I did. And um, let's talk intergenerational, mm. right? Mm. Um, because I want to kind of uncover that on what that means for people. Um, could you describe what that Absolutely. means in well, terms of that? First, if I may give your listeners the definition of the Black Superwoman Syndrome or Black Superwoman Schema, because if any of you like to Google like I do, you probably want to read up a little more, and that's okay because there's plenty of research. So the first one is a perceived obligation to present an image of strength. So right there, just from that, we have a tendency, and again, it's learned to always present this image that we got it together. The second one is a perceived obligation to suppress emotions. Hmm, interesting. This is how we fake it till we make it. But how does that show up in relationships? Something to think about as we will unpack throughout this conversation. Also a perceived obligation to resist help <laughs> and being vulnerable with others. Again, that doesn't do well in relationships because healthy relationships require vulnerability. They require you to take the mask and the cape off. We also have a motivation to succeed despite limited resources. In every one of these, we have to recognize there's a positive to it, but also we have to recognize how the negatives, as you so profoundly talked about at the beginning of this podcast, are impacting every area of your life. And the last one is there is a prioritization of caregiving. So it's like an, a need, an obligation to help others. So when you think about this whole Black superwoman syndrome, where is the human in it in this? Right. And this is what, as we're healing, we must reclaim. And so you asked about intergenerational trauma. All of this, every, every step, every piece that I just named is intergenerational trauma. And how it is passed down, since you asked, is that if a parent is traumatized, meaning this parent, they never got their real needs met. They were always giving and sacrificing and this was the expectation placed upon them. So they're out in the world, they're doing, they're you know, caring for other people, which black women have always been the caregivers. Let's be very clear. That has always been our role. And when you think about if that's always been our role to care for other people, especially when we talk about racism and white supremacy, yeah, and having to care for people who are actively hurting you, how much of yourself do you have to sacrifice in order to, to survive that? Think about that. And what do you have left to give your children? And mm -hmm. so that if our parent had to become inauthentic and numb and disconnected in order to survive their external experiences or a hostile world, then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to teach my child the same so they can survive. I cannot teach my child how to thrive because them thriving means that you could be hurt, you could be murdered, you could be jailed, you could be punished or prosecuted in some way because you're too loud, you're too authentic, you calling out the wrongdoings, whether it's in the family or whether it's in the culture or the neighborhood. Do you feel me? And so it requires a lot of self-suppression and self-disconnection. And this is why we cannot talk about some of these things without talking about our culture, without talking about white supremacy, without talking about racism. So if for me to survive means that I had to go along to get along, then I cannot be emotionally available for my children. I will mm -hmm. emotionally abandon them. And because I don't know how to validate their feelings, because I don't mirror their emotions, because I'm not vulnerable with them, the message that every human being gets in that experience is, I'm not enough. Hmm. I'm not worthy. This is why we it's so important for conversations like the ones that you're having and the ones on your podcast, because so much of our wounds, our shame, our feeling like we are not enough, so much of our need to help others and sacrifice in the name of love comes from not getting our core childhood needs met. Intergenerational mm -hmm. trauma. 
Man, I got chills. I'm serious. I, I do. Um, that hits home a lot, just even for me. And it also explains how children, even as young as 13, starts to inherit the superwoman syndrome as girls. Mm, I think it right? happens that. Mm, really? Oh, so it's called parentification. Mm. <laughs> so it's common among Black households, Black girls, and even in cultures where there is poverty, where children are forced in a role to be well above their pay grade, well above their developmental age, take on the responsibilities of the household, be the little woman of the house. Oh, yeah. So Black women yeah. are taught to be responsible at a very young age. And it starts well before 13, because by 13, you got to know your chores. You got to be, you got to be That's at true. least knowing how to cook, knowing to go around the house. You're probably watching your siblings. So it happens well before that age. But see, the problem is, if I have to take on the responsibilities of the parent, then who's meeting my needs? Right. So that leaves the child with a hole of unworthiness or abandonment because their needs are their childhood needs that are so important, the necessary guidance, the nurturing, the protection. It doesn't happen because you are expected to be an adult. Mm. Wow. Ooh. All right. When I tell y'all, I let me tell you, I brought her here for a reason. That's that's all I can say. Um, I mean, she spoke to me just even on her website with what what she put out there. So, what are some of the things, um, that that drives women to be this way? Um, what are what are some maybe unique life experiences that they may have encountered for oh. them to feel this way? That's a good question. I mentioned one of them when it comes to uh, like childhood roles and responsibilities. And I think what happens from that, we learn that, oh, I get love. I get rewarded. I get mm -hmm. attention when I'm sacrificing. Yep. And so in a sense, what, what we are doing when we are parentifying or adultifying our children is we essentially are grooming young black girls to attract relationships as an adult where they over-function, over-give, over-listen. Does this make sense? So they're over-functioning. And if I'm over-functioning, I'm attracting someone who's under-functioning. I'm taking on all the emotional labor. I'm doing all the relationship-heavy lifting. And so what happens, I think, over time with life experiences, when I, if I get a job or a title and I'm acknowledged for it and, you know, I get some sense of validation, the thing is, it can be, when our childhood needs are not met, it can be like a drug. So if I have on a mask and a cape and I'm doing things out in the world and in my relationships in order to get validation, the problem is. I never really feel it. It never penetrates. And I want you to get this because everything that I'm being uh, rewarded for or given some sense of worthy and validation is going to the cape. Not to me, not to me as a human being, right. as a person who also has needs. And so if we're not aware, if we're not doing our healing work, what we will do is continue to work harder to mm -hmm. get more to ignore the exhaustion, to become better. Mm. So we're not aware of where the wound actually is. And we try to feel it externally instead of reconnecting with ourselves and acknowledging what we want and need and what you deserve again as a human being. Wow, that's good. Ooh, that, that's real good. I want to kind of go into the relational trauma um, side of things, because um, one of the things that I saw on your website that you talked about is you, you said that um, relational trauma influences a person's identity, where it makes the possibility of a healthy relationship impossible. And, and a lot of the times when people hear the word relationships, they kind of go straight to just the romance, mm -hmm. but I'm sure you're referring to all kinds of relationships. Is, is that accurate 
it just shows it tends to just show up more romantically so with relational trauma it's everything that i just described having a Mm -hmm. parent who is or caregiver who is emotionally unavailable or emotionally invalidating or emotionally abusive Mm -hmm. so as human beings to thrive in order to have healthy relationships we have to be given or shown healthy relationships so it's called attachment and your attachment styles are generally set in the first two to three years of life the first two to three years of life when you are the most like cranky and you don't have words and you Mm -hmm. got a lot of needs and you need a lot of attention the most important and of course you can change so if you have a parent who is um, completely exhausted and unsupported and you know has their own trauma and the, it poverty, um, addicted, mental health issues, whatever it is where they can't be available consistently for the child, then the child's nervous system and brain development, stay with me. Mm-hmm. The brain development actually is created around this environment of people aren't safe. Mm. You can't trust people. People aren't consistent. And so for some of us, our inability to trust developed well before we even had words. And so relational trauma is not getting your core needs met. You notice there's a theme to what I talk about is your core needs, your childhood needs, your needs of attention and validation and care, which if you look around on the internet, you can see that the, uh, the whole experience of being thirsty is all around getting your childhood core needs met by mm. people who don't, you don't even know you. Right. Absolutely. And so, well, that's what wow. relational trauma is. It is when you are hurt or betrayed or abandoned in a relationship and it leads a lasting, it leaves a lasting impression on you. The earlier the experience, the more it impacts your identity. Wow. And I guess it's safe to say that the most influential relationship is our parents. That's your first love story. Your first love. And if your first love is not there for you then you learn that you must protect yourself by not allowing yourself to really experience love. Mm. And then this is how, and this is a very high, this is a very high possibility that women end up turning into the superwoman due to that because of the lack of protection they had as children. So for a black woman, Yes. So for Black women, the superwoman cape is protection, but it also is a way where we get some external validation, right? Mm-hmm. And so the protection, and we're, and we're going deep into the psychology here, the protection is that if I have a cape, then I unconsciously can keep people distant. People can't get close to me because if you think about it, if you got a cape and you got an image of strength and you resist vulnerability and you just got to help and do but never receive... Absolutely. That is protection. And the thing about trauma, relational trauma, intergenerational trauma is really just the same thing, is that you recognize that it's not safe in, in unconsciously. There are parts of you and the way that you operate in relationships is you will struggle with intimacy. Mm. That is what trauma does. It mm-hmm. makes intimacy impossible because you resist vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And the more times, and see, here's the thing about these trauma stories and these core needs, man, it changes the way you think. And this is how it impacts your identity. So if I have an original trauma story of being emotionally abandoned, let's say by my mom and she wasn't there for me. Along the, along the ways, as I'm living life and I experience things, I'm going to interpret that from my mindset of being unworthy. I'm going to hook it onto my original trauma story, my original abandonment as, oh, it's something wrong with me. You know, you go to school and a teacher doesn't like you, but something wrong with me, not them. A boyfriend or girlfriend cheats on you. Oh, it's me. 
I'm unworthy. Do you see how the as as we experience life and there's no healing intervention or no um, no therapy of any kind, then what the mind does is it will look to the past to understand the present. And this is why those stories of unworthiness become ingrained in our identity. And instead of recognizing it as a feeling that is valid, but is not true. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. That's good. And so I want to um, talk about romance mm-hmm. um, because the podcast centers around, you know, the dissolution of relationships, whether it's marital or non-marital. And I want to know how does this belief of being superwoman impacts them romantically? Mm. And also, do you think women who perform like this get shortchanged in relationships? And I want to, I want to talk about this because you said some things. We are performers. We are executors. We're functional. And we lead with that externally. But when it comes to our romantic relationships, how does that impact? Because what I find, and I know you find this too, is cyclical, right? It's not like, you know, what I find a lot of the time is, and I can, let me, I'm just going to be the example. I used to be that person. I led with my effort as opposed to just realizing that who and whose I am was enough to be loved. And so how does this impact them relationally, even though they don't want it, but they still do it? So it impacts your relationship in every way. First of all, it will impact who you choose to be in a relationship with, because please believe all of our superwomen, I'm going to keep it real, real. Okay. All of us superwomen are like, oh yes, I'm so loyal and I'm such a good woman. And this was me. I know. And you know, I'm ride or die until, you know, you do the wrong things and then I'm willing to stab you. And so this is, I'm I'm so giving and I'm so amazing. Oh, Mm -hmm. but see, I'm wearing a cape. So because I need to be needed, I'm going to find someone who needs me to validate them. And that is someone who usually is toxic, usually has narcissistic traits, usually is a manipulator of some kind, usually is not good for me. They don't have the capacity to give me what I truly need, but that's why I picked them. That's the thing that is so... we struggle to really see and understand is because everything I talked about earlier about trauma, Mm -hmm. one of the insidious um, symptoms of trauma is the compulsion to repeat. And what that means is that I will repeat the same patterns that was done to me that hurt me. We do this as a form of gaining some sense of self-mastery, but we don't got the tools to master the situation and we end up being hurt again. So when we feel that, oh, I'm so attracted and oh, we have a fantasy again, which I can talk about. We could probably do a whole podcast on the fantasy of what this person is and what they can bring. We don't even know that that stems from your childhood wounds. That's a make-believe. That's some Disney. That's not real. But we see this person being more than they are, having more qualities than they actually have. We give to them and we don't set boundaries. Mm. And we are creating these relationships that are filled with drama because we don't know how to truly be intimate. We Mm. don't know how to be vulnerable. So you will attract, if you have on a cape, you will attract someone who will use and abuse and strangle you with that damn cape Mm. and then blame you for it. Mm. only to keep doing it well see the thing we it takes work to recognize the patterns yeah it does so the patterns are well ingrained so Mm -hmm. what I'm attracted to initially will be someone who fits my pattern and the people who are healthy were like oh I'm not really feeling them because you know they're a little bit boring and I just want to be friends and that's because that nervous system activation that is constantly happening with someone who is toxic, the ups and the downs and the highs and the lows, that don't happen with people who are healthy. When you think about a healthy parent, which a lot of us are looking for our parents and our partners, 
But when you mm. think about a healthy parent, wow. even when the child is acting up or having tantrums or having meltdowns, a healthy parent, they say even kill. They might go up, but they'll bring themselves down because they recognize the child's emotions is not theirs. They recognize that it is their responsibility to model what it means to be calm and what it means to be, you know, self-controlled and, you know, to, because uh, I have a five-year-old, so I know very well. So it's like modeling what it means to be, I'm here for you and I can hold space for you even when you don't feel good, even when you don't know what you're doing. That's how we learn to feel validated. That's how we learn to self-regulate. Mm. If you never got that, then you're used to your system always being activated in relationships. And you will use your cape in an unconscious way to attract those very relationship dynamics. Wow. Woo. I was ready. No, I want, <laughs> no, here's the thing. I wanted you to go deeper because I hear people talk about it, but only on a surface level. And you know, in the work that you do, you, you have, this isn't a surface thing. When, when people say stop being masculine, it's like, you're telling somebody who's been in something their entire life to stop doing something that is really on autopilot for them. You can't expect someone to wake up and all of a sudden be embraced in an authentic feminine energy. If they don't know who they are, if they don't understand where this stuff is coming from. And so I'm not, I, I like, the depth of this, because I think what people need to understand is that, you know, it's a lot more deeper than probably what they believe it is. And then we say things such as, um, I'm supposed to be strong. So we affirm it over and over again, not realizing that we really don't necessarily have to live this way to have a good quality of life. And so I want to ask you something because I see a mantra of you can have it all a lot. And I mean, I have my views on it, um, but I do believe that when it's misunderstood, I believe a lot of that is misunderstood under the you can have it all mantra. Um, because I also believe that that just heightens women to stay as being superwoman. Now, being the expert that you are, and what you do, I would like to know your thoughts on that. Cause I hear this a lot. You can have it all ladies, you can have it all. And I'm like, man, I think that's misunderstood under so many layers and levels. <sighs> Not the deep. <laughs> that's how you know. I'm just, I mean, I'm just saying, I'm just like, you can have it all. It just kind of almost equates to being superwoman. And I, you know, I just. There's some BS. I'm going to use the clean language here. That is some BS, I think, in a lot of ways because, okay. And, and I do want to put a pin in that whole masculinity thing because I got a lot to say about that. Um, I think the idea of having it all is something that we are sold so that we can keep buying, we can keep working, we can stay stuck in low self-esteem so that we can continue to seek external resources and get other people rich. I think that you can have a wonderfully full, happy life, but what is having it all? Because yes, let's say I have, I'm a business owner with a multi-million dollar business and I got three kids. Can I have it all? Can I pay attention to my kids the way that I need to and my business without, you know, having any help because I can do it all without my children feeling like they are being abandoned or ignored or unworthy? You can have balance, but you cannot have it all because something must be sacrificed. And I think because, first of all, you are a human being with limited resources, time, and energy. So we have to prioritize what's important based on what we really value. Mm. And to me, that's having it all. Because you have it all based on your soul connection and not expectations. That's my thoughts, my perspective. Mm, I, I love that. Um, and I'm in agreement with that too. I think the word sacrifice is triggering for a lot of people 
feeling like I have to give up something, but that's a powerful place to be able to say, what do I need to let go of to embrace something different or to have to align my life based on what I value? And I think sometimes that word sacrifice can just feel like it's, it's triggering in a way for quite a few people, but I love that answer. And I actually, I'm in agreement with you on that. I, 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 I think that's amazing. Now, going back to that word masculinity, because that word is being tossed around masculinity, femininity, and, um, you know, again, these are a lot of words that if misunderstood, right. Um, because they are words, they have meaning, but, Sometimes people are just not as educated or, you know, they're just not professionals in that area. And so um, there's a lot of talk about, you know, being more of a feminine woman. And I'm not here to disagree with I am. the truth. <laughs> well, I'm saying in its true form, as opposed to it being, I think is 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 being um labeled wrong mm. from based on what I hear and according to what I've read but I want to hear your thoughts <sighs> I want to know because you straight up said well I do and I want to know what it is I'm, so I'm, all, I'm, all, I'm all ears I'm so tired 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 not tired without tired of hearing this conversation about black women being too masculine from yeah. people particularly men who are highly traumatized right and I say that because if they understood their own issues with Black women, they would understand the issues with themselves. So this idea of Black women being too masculine, I think is absolutely ridiculous from a therapist's perspective because we all, it, it, when you look at, especially, you know, again, Black women, because there's a lot of things and conversations being had constantly on the internet about who we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to act. But the reality is that a lot of people that we get into relationships with that are in our family and our circles, these people are not emotionally available. They are mm. not safe. And even if you're not conscious of it yourself, you're not consciously aware, oh, the God in you knows, the divine in you knows, meaning there's a wisdom within each and every one of us and you know it even if you don't believe in it because you are always getting information. Oh, don't do this. Go here, turn here. I should have known, something told me. You know, mm -hmm. we know so much more than we acknowledge and that we really embrace. And so when we're in relationships with people who show that they can't handle emotions, they're emotionally invalidating, they are reflecting back to your parent or parents who are emotionally unavailable. And therefore, out of your protection, you must remain in your masculine energy. Right. Someone who is emotionally available, they would, they would be able to recognize and call it for what it is. You're afraid you're scared. Yeah. You've been unprotected. And mm -hmm. see, this whole thing about Black women being unprotected is true. But really, what do we need protection from? Do I need you to go and fight my battles? No. What I truly need for you to do is be in control of your emotions, to practice emotional intelligence and emotional maturity, for you to not turn to violence or anger or rage and use me as your target. If you do that, you won't have to ask questions or talk about or label me as being uh, too masculine because you will present to every aspect of me that it is safe that it is okay, that I can be myself, that I can share my truest self without you later weaponizing it against me. I work with Black mm -hmm. women every single day who got helicates, three, four, five, eight, ten, 10 with sequins and hoods and <laughs> you know all different colors, different labels. But when we are in our sequins, yes, when we are in our healing circle, they talk about things that they have never talked about before because they know it is safe. Yeah. They know that they will not be judged. Absolutely. They know that people will not use their words against them. And these are the conversations that the people who are continuously labeling Black women as masculine, they don't want to have because it forces them to face themselves in ways that they refuse to. So right. you can't come at me with who Black women are if you are not aware of who you are. Mm. 
That's good. I'm very passionate about that subject. <laughs> and and I appreciate that. Um, <clears throat> because I believe that a lot of women who are listening to this is probably not in their heads, maybe even shedding tears, because they can relate um of just the feeling of not being safe. Um and and, and not feeling safe. And so um what can a woman do to dismantle this belief? Because even though, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I'm with you on this too. I, I, I'm just like, that's why I, I hardly even don't have much to say. Cause I'm just looking at you to keep talking, <laughs> but, um, because I, I agree. Um, but how can we dismantle that belief? How can we get that power back? as opposed to leaving it up for somebody else to allow us to be who we fully are. Like, how can we design a new, healthier way? You got to design um, a new life. Right. But how does it take to yes. not even just become self-aware? Because I believe to the core that a lot of women have some level of awareness, but then it's about actively you know, being intentional about changing that without yes. the fear of being judged. Because Absolutely. like, what is that? What, 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 what do you, um, I can't even get it out. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm with you. So one of the things, of course, you are welcome to join <laughs> my group, the relationship detox, because this is exactly what we do. Mm-hmm. And I've, now that I've plugged myself, let me give you some more resources. <laughs> so when we are talking about basically what it means to me is like, oh, how do I meet my own soul? (laughs) Because when it comes to like these, the black superwoman syndrome and trauma is that you have to, and this is confirmed by research, everything I'm saying, I give receipts, this ain't my opinion. Okay, a few things, but you know what I mean. So what, (laughs) (laughs) so When it comes to trauma, we know that the real sacrifice that is made is of the self. Mm. So in order to maintain a relationship with my parents or parents who were unavailable or abusive or, you know, narcissistic, whatever they were that they couldn't meet my needs, I had to sever connection with myself in order to maintain this unhealthy bond. Do you see that's exactly what happens in toxic relationships and trauma bonds later on in life? So when we talk about healing trauma, we are talking about trauma recovery. What are you recovering? You, yeah, yourself, your thoughts, your true feelings. Because if you're a superwoman, you're numb. I'm fine, I'm good. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm feeling some kind of way. I'm I'm bothered. We got all these terms and all these names for feelings that we cannot even describe. Mm-hmm. So being in tune with your feelings, like your real feelings, like I'm sad, your vulnerability, because you have to first be vulnerable with you. Yeah. And it is a process of creating internal safety first that will reflect in the external world and who you attract and how you move and what you will tolerate. Because if you are ignoring, devaluing, and disrespecting your own emotions, <laughs> you will absolutely positively attract other people who will do the same. Do you feel me? Oh, so- I feel you. I'm, <laughs> listen, I'm, I'm so into this. Like, I'm just... I'm taking it all in, honestly. And that is, you are recovering your relationship with yourself. And this Mm -hmm. is what I teach every day because it is about understanding. If you're talking about presenting an image of strength, then we got to stop that ASAP. Well, who am I? What do I feel? If I'm not strong, who are you? These are things that we really have to reconnect with. And this is why these folks out here calling women masculine aren't safe because they don't give the space and the acknowledgement when you are frail, when you are confused, when you don't know what to do, when you're feeling out of sorts, but you can't even name it or label it, or you're feeling depressed because we, once we get to the root of a lot of things, we're like, oh my goodness, I I had low-key depression and didn't even know it because You wouldn't let yourself know it because it wasn't in alignment with this belief of being a Black superwoman. 
And so that is the answer that people don't want to hear a lot of times, but it is the truth. You are recovering you to know Mm -hmm. that you don't have to perform the recognizing, oh, I feel guilty when I don't give or when I say no. And what people don't even realize is you're giving and doing and sacrificing in order to avoid your own feelings of guilt, not because you love this person. So you got to address why you feel guilty, why it's a struggle, what's happening internally. That that internal motivation. Yes. Listen, girl, you go, what a collection, please. Lord have mercy. Jesus, what cash? Listen, you got somebody throw the phone, you better say it, girl. Listen, hey, listen. Y'all better be listening to this. And I think what you said was key. It's hard to take ownership over stuff like that, especially when you didn't create the problem. Your trauma is not your fault. Yeah. You are innocent, but it is your responsibility Yeah, because you will recreate the problem in your children. Because essentially, I don't even think we mentioned this yet. But when we talk about the Black superwoman, what we are talking about is perfectionism. Mm, That's a whole conversation. It is. Mm. And so this need to present as perfect and set high unattainable goals for yourself, you're damn sure will do it for other people. But here's the thing. You you can't have perfectionism and have company. You can't. Those two things don't go together. You say you can't have perfectionism and and, and company. And company. You want company? You want other people around? Because you will always be judging, always criticizing, and you will feel like you're doing it from a good, healthy place. But you're doing it because, oh, out of the superwoman, the expectations of being a superwoman is you have to be more than human, right? You can't just be human. You have to Mm. be more. So you will expect that level of excellence on everyone else. So no one can really relax and be themselves. So you will unconsciously force them to put on a mask and put on a cape. Man, boy, I tell you, this right here, this was good. I Let me tell y'all, y'all see why I was out here in these internet streets looking her up, right? I mean, I just, I felt like, wow, she's perfect for it. She's perfect for this conversation. Um, Wow. I've, I love it. I love it. Do you, do you only work with black women? So that's a very good question. For the last three years, I've only worked with black women, but I mm-hmm. may recently made a decision to open up my group to all women. And it's a, it's been a challenging one um, to make because I want to stay committed to black women. But if we're honest, for the very same reasons that we've discussed throughout this podcast, Black women can be amazing to work with and also challenging because of all the walls that you have to knock down and meaning that they don't see themselves as really needing the help or wanting the help. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's been a wonderful journey and I will still continue to make a priority to create a safe space for Black women because and this is one of the things when we're in diverse spaces is that because we've been taught very well to self-suppress, to self-silence yeah. when we're in groups with other people, we can automatically do that because we don't, we, we, we don't want to cause them any discomfort. And mm. I will not tolerate any of that. So it must be safe for Black women to experience themselves and anyone who can't get with that they're not invited to the cookout I know that's right I love it um do you find this now that you've opened it up to other um cultures do you find superwoman to be um it might look different but is it some of the same so I haven't I haven't done it yet I'm preparing to do a three-day intensive where I'm going to invite other groups to see how it is. But what I can say is that there are women that I've had these conversations with around perfectionism Mm -hmm. and they totally get it. They totally identify with it. Yeah. And so I think for Black women, it shows up differently, which is why as I was doing all the, you know, in school, becoming a therapist, I saw myself, but I didn't really see myself. I had to go on this journey of self-discovery to be able to communicate like this about an issue because 
these books were written like by black, by, by white men or white women who we share a human experience, but we don't share the same cultural experiences in a lot of ways. Yeah. And so I don't know. I'm planning it. I'm preparing it mentally and emotionally for having a more diverse atmosphere. And I'm very clear on my intentions about maintaining the safety and integrity. I love that. Wow. Sarita, you are amazing. Um, like for real, um, you are amazing at what you do. Um, and I appreciate you doing the work that you've been called to do. Um, I believe that is needed. Um, and, and I know, you know, I mean, I'm just looking like, oh yeah, she the real deal. Like I, when I saw it, I was like, yeah, she the real deal. And I, and that's what I need. Um, that's what the listeners need is, is the real deal. Um, because we, we here to take off the cape and show up in, and be this, of uh, this, this feminine woman and tap into your feminine energy. And I'm just like, man, if we can only allow ourselves to peel back layers of things so that we can show up being the woman that we were cap- that we are capable of being, um, not necessarily a uh, uh, um, duplicate of someone else. And so I I appreciate you coming here. Where can people Where can people find you out here in these social media streets? <laughs> let's uh, Let's well, go there. Thank you. So my website, of course, is Sarita Yvonne, and it's Sarita Yvonne on all social media platforms. And I am, I've recently created a new group for women who they're kind of like, I, I know I need some healing, the real, like real, because you can see like what you got. Oh, it goes so much <laughs> deeper. And I'm, I'm here to serve women who are ready to do that deep work to get to the root of what their struggles are. And so my newest program is the Relationship Detox. And um, these are the topics that we cover related to relational trauma, intergenerational trauma, and of course, everything is involved in the Black Superwoman Syndrome. Wow. And it is a place to be vulnerable because we heal in community. We do. The thing is we have to be able to build healthy relationships because it repairs the bond. And this just made me think of one thing I would like to add. Mm-hmm. When we think about our core needs as a child, right? There's no thing as a perfect parent who's going to get it right all the time. Like that's Absolutely. impossible as a human being. Mm-hmm. But what happens is when there's what's called a rupture, meaning we're not in tune, we're disconnected. I'm not seeing you or understanding you. This happens. But what keeps a child from being traumatized is there's a repair made, meaning a reconnection, meaning I see you, I hear you, I understand you. And when we are in community, we are creating that repair within ourselves first and in other human beings. And that sense of safety translates it translates into all of your relationships. That mm. makes sense. Nice. But it's the power of being in community. Mm. Wow. That makes perfect sense. Oh man, I, I love it. I love it. Um, I'm gonna put down your social media handles, your your website information, and all of that in the show notes. Listen, now y'all know y'all need to get with her. <laughs> you know, some of I mean, seriously, like that superwoman dismantling it, it's a process. It is. I find myself having to still like consciously being like, okay, what you doing? Like, absolutely. you know, real talk. I, I listen, I, um, I remember this vividly. Um, this was before I even took the journey of just reinventing my life. Um, I had lost my job and my son was, uh, has allergies and, um, I needed to know how much it costs to pay out of pocket for, you know, his shots and things like that. And, um, it was somebody there at the office who was willing to pay for everything. And I was like, I'm good. All because of my strength. And I tell you all who listening, I share that because I realized that I would have done that for someone in a heartbeat. It would have been no question. But I couldn't receive someone doing it for me and my son. <laughs> um, and so if you all know that, you know, being behind this cape is causing you to not live the quality of life you want to live. My advice is to connect with her. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm over that whole black woman syndrome. I, I mean, 
superwoman syndrome, Sarita. It it's killing us. It's killing us. I, it is it, literally. Like for literally. real, it's, it's, it's killing us. And, you know, it took for me to have panic attacks to realize that that was what I was struggling with. Mm. Panic attacks, you know, and so that's why I'm, girl, my eyes about watery as I'll get out over here, just thinking about, you know, how I was in bondage. Um, yes. And and also thinking about all the other women who are in bondage and yes. being able to free yourself from that is that's your power that is that's your real superpower absolutely human and I thank you for your vulnerability because I think so many black women can understand for example I was going on a a morning walk and I saw a black woman and I'm getting emotional just thinking about Mm -hmm. sitting on a bench wiping herself down with baby wipes putting on her makeup she had a little plastic bag and I just, I, I just walked up to her and I was like, do you need help? Do you need anything? Cause I wanted to give her money or something yeah. because clearly she was, whatever was going on in her life, she wasn't letting it stop her. And she looked me in the face and said, no, I'm, mm. I'm good. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And how many times have I done that? Mm-hmm. Yes, many. Yep. And you know why? Shame. This, that, this, again, we could do a whole five episode podcast yes, series man. on that because that's what's underneath the superwoman syndrome because we've been shamed for having needs. You need too much. You want too much. But what, what you crying for? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so we learn to suppress it. Yeah. And we don't realize it. And the thing is, Black women give literally their life essence. We give breath. We breathe life into people. And you cannot even receive because you won't let yourself. You're doing all the daggone affirmation in the vision boards. But you, when, when it comes to you, when it's in your face, when it's given to you, you say, no, I can't. Mm. And you must learn to receive as a form of self-love. Yeah. You are in a human community. You're not on an island. And then you feel secretly sad and alone and crying in the middle of the night because you can't depend on nobody because no one's mm-hmm. there for you, but you won't let them. Yeah. That part. Come on, dude. Come on. Join the relationship. Listen, Listen yeah. <laughs> let me tell you, Sarita is going to give you the real, the raw, and she's going to give you a good laugh in the process. I love her personality. Just everything about you is just amazing. I Listen, um, before we close out, was there anything final you would like to, to say to anybody who's listening? I want to acknowledge each and every one of you. And I want to acknowledge you too, Tanya, because you're here. You survived. Mm-hmm. We talked about some hard things today. But that just simply means that we've learned how to keep living. But now it's time for you to do more than exist. And with all of the skills and the qualities and the resilience Mm -hmm. and the true strength that you have, we're not asking you to be less than. I'm asking you to be more than what you think you are, to allow into your life more than what you even ever thought was possible or that you deserved. You are a miracle, my love, and you deserve the world. And in the sense of what's a reflection of your inner world and all of the beauty and all of the love that you have to give, I'm asking you simply to first give it to yourself because you deserve your own love. Mm, Yes, you deserve to be loved by you. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much, Sarita, for, you know, coming in and just you know, pouring into the listeners and just, you know, giving people something to chew on, like chew. <laughs> okay. Cause it, you, you, you came with it to chew and digest seriously. Um, I, I appreciate you, um, being here and I know that this, uh, podcast episode is going to be a blessing to others. Cause you know, I ain't trying to be funny y'all, but it was a blessing to me too. I ain't gonna lie. Like I, I had to take all this in too. Like, listen, I know it'd be for y'all, but I got to throw me in the equation, but in all seriousness, though, I and appreciate that's true. you. Everything yeah. you just said, and I want your listeners to understand that because everything that you give, you receive. Every mm-hmm. class I teach, every conversation, I'm here, I'm present. So I'm receiving too with you. So I know thank that's right. You for creating this space. 
Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for being here and being a part of it. And so um, you take care and we'll talk soon. Thank you. I look forward to it. <laughs> All right. Thank you.